Welcome to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. Thank you for listening. And now, here's the Sunday's message. So I want to begin with a quick public service announcement. We've got our parish mission coming up starting next week, next Sunday night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, starting at 7 p.m. And we're actually going to be joined by Holy Trinity Parish. So this is the other parish run by the Companions of the Cross uh, in Lower Sackville. And so uh, I just want to welcome and invite all of you to join us. We'll be streaming it online if you're not able to come in person, though I think being in person is the preference for sure. Uh, and, and let's make Holy Trinity feel especially welcome also as they join us. I happened to be in Lower Sackville just the other day. Our Companions of the Cross, we, we meet together, both of our households combined, uh, for prayer and meals on a regular basis. And so after supper the other night, everybody else had to chase off to various ministries, confessions, alphas, whatever they're going to. And I was the only one left behind. And so... You know, they have a big screen TV, surround sound system, and I thought, here's my chance. And so about 90 minutes later, I'm, I'm there uh, in the house, and, and this, the, the other guys, they got home from Alpha, the seminarian named Manas, he walks in, and he sees me there on the couch, recliner, tucked in under a blanket, tears streaming down my cheeks, and he's like, wait. Are you watching Frozen? <laughs> I was like, don't judge me. I'm doing some homily research here. <laughs> it's not normally how I spend my spare time, but uh, I did grow up watching Disney, you know, Lion King, Jungle Book, Aladdin's one of my all-time faves, but I've never seen Frozen. And so I figured I, I had to do it. In part, I was inspired by, by the weather we've been having recently, but... But also, I heard Father Alex, the previous associate pastor here, I heard him give a talk recently where he referenced this movie. And he was talking to a group of 120 priests, and he was talking about the cultural context in which we find ourselves. And so I thought, I better go, go check this out myself. Now, Father Alex has been, has been trying to study this cultural context by, by looking at one of the brilliant Canadian philosophers we have by the name of Charles Taylor. He, he uh, taught at McGill, and he wrote this tome called A Secular Age, 800 pages trying to understand how we've come to our culture today. And so... That's the main difference between Father Alex and me. When he's doing research, he reads 800-page books, 800-page uh, book. And I, I, uh, I mean, I watch Disney Plus, right? That's, that's kind of more my speed. <laughs> but one of the key markers that Charles Taylor points to is that in this secular age, uh, he, he, call, he says there's what's called an ethic of authenticity. Now, that's a big phrase, ethic refers to a set of moral principles and authenticity. I think we know that means to be real, to be a person of integrity, to be true to yourself. And at a first blush, it's like, this is actually a good thing, right? We don't want people going around being fake. We want them to be real. But what has happened in, in our current cultural context is that this ethic, this pursuit of authenticity has become the highest ideal of all. In fact, there's a moral obligation placed upon us that each individual person must go on this quest of self-discovery to find their true self. Now, what does this have to do with Frozen, you might be asking? 
Well, I'm just giving you an example here, and I know people are going to be, you know, writing the bishop about this and stuff like that. Now Father Simon's ruining Disney for us, you know. Uh, I'm, I, uh, it's just an example. I know I'm on thin ice here. Okay, good. Some people are paying attention. Frozen, good. All right, I don't want to give too many spoilers about the story in case there's anybody else out there who, like me, you didn't get a chance to watch the movie in the first decade since its release. But uh, here's the basic premise. You've got this princess named Elsa. She's got these special powers. She touches things. They, they, they freeze, right? They turn to ice. And, uh, and because of uh, the, the, the stern warnings from her parents, the restrictions, she, she isolates, she conceals herself, she locks herself up, and she hides her truest inner part of who she is. And then about halfway through the movie, we have the famous song, Let It Go. Anybody heard it before? Yeah, a few of you. Right, check out a few of the lyrics here. All right. Don't let them in, don't let them see. Be the good girl you always have to... F- have to be concealed, don't feel, don't let them know. Well, now they know. Let it go, let it go. Can't hold back anymore. And I don't care what they're going to say. I don't remember the rest of the lyrics anyway. So, <laughs> you're welcome. Now. Check out verse 2. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No rights, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go, let it go. Wow. Right? This is the ethic of authenticity. To, to, to actually be free from limits, free from right and wrong, free from rules. These are kind of like external impositions on one's personal journey of self-discovery, okay? And once this principle, this ethic of authenticity was, was explained to me, I started to see it everywhere. You know, the other day, I'm on the plane, and over the PA, there's this announcement, for your comfort and safety, we ask that you remain seated with your seatbelts uh, securely fastened, right? It's not the health and safety regula- re- regulator insists that you, you must wear your seatbelt because of liability issues. It's for your comfort and safety, right? It's about, we want you to be true to yourself, but wear your seatbelt, right? It's, it's, it's tapping into this. And we're all shaped by this moral code, by the way, including myself. It's, it's everywhere. And maybe uh, you've, you've heard people say these things or you've said them yourself. You're not the boss of me or don't judge me, or I have to be true to myself, or you do you, (laughs) right? All of these phrases, they're part of this ethic. And one of the consequences of of this ethic is that it causes us to be suspicious of institutions and authorities. And take, for example, the Catholic Church, right? This old institution that's externally imposing these objective rules and regulations on us, this, this moral code, when subjectively we're being told, no, we must kind of discover it ourselves. And per, it's possible that you've even felt this clash within you, where on the one hand, it's like, do I do what the Catholic Church is telling me I ought to do, or do I stick with what I personally feel 
is right or wrong. And this is a real dilemma, and, and I think the, the only way through it is by getting back to our relationship with God. And I want to talk today about somebody who had a beautiful, a profound relationship with God. His name was Abraham. We heard about him in our first reading today, Abraham and his wife Sarah. They were not able to conceive for decades. And you can just imagine the pain and the suffering. And then finally, they're able to have this son together uh, and named Isaac. And, and then God says, I want you to offer this, this one son whom you love back to me in sacrifice. Which is shocking. And I think this whole story only makes sense in hindsight. And I was just kind of imagining, you know, God speaking to me one day in prayer. Simon, take your associate pastor, the one whom you love. Dan? No, the other one whom you love. Alex? He's no longer here, Lord. No, the other one whom you love. Oh, Isaac. <laughs> now, just to be clear, I love all of my associate pastors equally. And some days, some of them, it would be easier to offer them back to God. <laughs> well, we've got this situation, right? And, and there's a clue in the story where the very opening line, it says, God tested Abraham. And it's possible Abraham could have said, no way. God, I'm not going to do this. You're not the boss of me. I know what will make me happy. And it involves clinging to my son, Isaac. I have to be true to myself. But instead, what does he do? He responds to God, here I am. Here I am. You're God. I don't understand this. This is painful. This is confusing. I don't know why you're asking this of me, but you're God, and I know that you love me. And so here I am. And Abraham's going through with it, and, and at the last moment, this angel of the Lord intervenes and stops him, and, and he calls out Abraham, to which he responds, here I am, again. Whatever you want, Lord, here I am. And and God provides a, a ram for the actual sacrifice. And listen to the words of the angel. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Right? Abraham loved his son tremendously. But he trusted God even when it didn't make sense. Even when it hurt, he trusted God because he knew he had this, this profound fear, this awe of God as creator. God wasn't just merely his buddy, but God was God. And Abraham was his son. And, and he had this true, truly loving and trusting relationship with God that no matter what, here I am is my disposition. Now, we're in this Lenten series called The Fundamentals. And uh, Father Dan kicked us off last week. He, talked, he said, in these weeks throughout Lent, we're trying to strengthen the core. Strengthen our spiritual core. And I was talking to somebody after Mass who is so pumped by what Father Dan said. He said, imagine if of all the different parts of us, our faith life is the strongest part of us. Man, that blows my mind, right? How, how cool would that be? And so we want here at the parish, every single person to to discover Jesus, to experience his love for them. 
And what follows from that is this growth dynamic, that, that from being loved by God, we want to know him more, and the more we know about God, the more we, we, we love him more, the more we love, we want to know him more, and it just continues. And so what we're using in these following four weeks is the four main sections of the Catechism, this book which is like a summary of our faith, the belief which, which really gets into the creed, worship which talks about the seven sacraments, the way of life which talks about the Ten Commandments, and prayer which unpacks the Our Father. And, and today, we're going slightly out of order, today I want to look at this number three, section three, the way of life. That, that as we start to follow Jesus at a certain point, we need to examine our, our lives. Look at our own lifestyle, the things that we're doing, the, the things that we're saying, even the way that we think, and, and see, is this aligned fully with Jesus? Now, just to, to be clear, at the outset, like, I'm a work in progress, right? The, the other night, after I watched Frozen, I drove home to, to our place, and it was like 10.30 at night, and I'm walking by the cupboard with the bag of chips, and almost like a robot, like I reach up, grab, grab the chips, and I'm just about to start gorging myself. And I stop. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> this is not going to lead to a happy life. This is going to lead to a tired and, and unhealthy life. But the point is, there's lots of things in my life, big and little, that I'm still working on. So a few days ago, I crack open section three of the catechism. And I was expecting the title of this section to be morality, or how to be good, but it's actually called life in Christ, which is so profound because this, this whole thing, it's not like a do-it-yourself project to fix the things that are wrong with you. This is about living fully in Christ and inviting the Holy Spirit to live fully in you. And, and what followed was not just uh, the Ten Commandments, like do this, don't do that, but actually something that was far more beautiful. And, and I just want to highlight four random things that struck out to me from, from what I was reading. Number one, and this is how this section begins, gets into this, the title, the subtitle is Made in the Image of God. The human person is the only creature on earth that God has willed for its own sake. From his conception, he is destined for eternal beatitude. That's all of us are destined for heaven. And beatitude, by the way, if you're not familiar with that word, it's, I looked it up, the state of utmost bliss, the blessed life, supreme happiness. That's what God wants for us. That's why any instructions he gives us about about our thoughts, our words, our actions, they're all geared towards heaven. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like God's watching us. He's, he's, he's just saying, look, I created you. I love you. I know what makes you tick. You're fooling around with these things that will bring temporary happiness, like a bag of chips. <laughs> but I know that what will lead to beatitude. The second thing that struck me is that the, it says the Holy Spirit renews us interiorly. So healing the wounds of sin, the Holy Spirit renews us interiorly through a spiritual transformation. For decades now, I've, I've been working on this stuff, right? I, I want to live a life in Christ. I, I want my thoughts, my words, my actions to be right in line with Jesus. 
And, and to be honest, it's been a, an interesting journey, a windy road, detours, potholes along the way. And, and I've often been frustrated, like, like, why haven't I conquered this thing yet? Why am I still stuck in, in, this, in this area of sin? Heck, I'm a priest. You know, I should have this all figured out by now. And what's so freeing in reading this is it's the Holy Spirit who wants to be the guide. The Holy Spirit wants to help us navigate our interior lives and to help bring healing and transformation. A third thing was I noticed that the section on virtues preceded the section on vices or sin. So Virtues are, are holy habits, vices are unholy habits. And here's a list that the Catechism gets into of various, the cardinal virtues that need to be held in tension, prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance, and then the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. And, and the, the key to a virtue is, is that it's something that's practiced repeatedly. It's not anybody can, can do good once in a blue moon, but to be consistent in that. And so this whole journey to live in Christ, it's not just about eliminating bad stuff, but it's about increasing and building the positive, this good stuff, virtues in our life. And yes, we also have to talk about sin, and there's lots in the Catechism about it, because our moral decisions impact all of eternity. And then the fourth thing I wanted to highlight was this section titled, The Church Mother and teacher. If you want a life in Christ, you want to be in the church because, because it's being part of what the church is called the body of Christ. It's being connected into this body that's, that's the surest way. And, and if you think about it, Jesus didn't leave behind a book. He didn't leave the Bible or, or even the catechism for that matter. He left people, leaders, he said to Simon Peter famously, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, as I said at the beginning, with this ethic of authenticity in which we live, we're suspicious automatically of authorities, of institutions. And to make matters worse, church leaders uh, down through the ages and even in recent years have damaged that credibility. There's been so many moral failures of priests and bishops. And yet, Jesus still established the church. He's still in charge. He's still here. And if this is where Jesus is, here I am. Here I am. And, and I love this line from the Catechism. Thus, a true filial spirit towards the church can develop among Christians. That we would see ourselves as as sons and daughters, the church as our mother and teacher, that there's so much we can learn through her. Now, there's, there's lots more I could get into. There's like 200 pages just on this one section. Uh, but, but just to, to come back to the point that it's about relationship with God. Just as Abraham, he was willing to, to follow God because he knew God and he loved God, and God knew him, and God loved him, and God loves us just as much as he loved Abraham. And so all of this is about God helping us 
towards our eternal happiness. If I could give you something to work on, some homework, I would say this week in your daily prayer, uh, you might pray something like this. Holy Spirit, help me to see an unholy attachment, a thought, an idea that I'm clinging to, a word, a way of speaking, or, or an action that you want me to offer to God. Maybe I could just pray for us all. Why don't you close your eyes and I'll, I'll just pray simply here. Father, thank you. Thank you for making us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this eternal destiny, the supreme happiness that you're calling us to. We want to live this life in Christ. So Holy Spirit, be the guide. And like Abraham, we say, here I am. Thank you for listening to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe and share this with a friend. God bless and have a great week.